surfboard. And I used to feel shame as like waiting outside because everyone would drive past down the main road of Invercargill and they'll see me and I'll be like, oh, shame. Father, they see this fella, you know, you know, this fella was at uni and now, you know, now, now the look at him, he's filming, you know, he's outside doing a security job just standing there like this all day. And then I was like, you know, so I carried more shame, more shame, continued to, um, to smoke weed and stuff like that and party. And then in 2019, I was just like, nah, Lord, I'm over it. Like, over the years, I would still pray to the Lord, but it wouldn't be like true repentance. It would just be like, Lord, help me. You know, I'll only come to him when I need him. Lord, help me for this, for this rugby game. Give me strength. Or, um, Lord, help me, you know, help me get a feed or something or some money because I was a broke student. You know, just, you know, you always come to him when you need him. But there was no true relationship there. Um, but in 2019, that all changed. Like, uh, I think it was like probably the fifth week of... Um, of going out and stuff like that. Oh no, probably not fifth week, probably like fifth month of actually going out in a row and it was just the same cycle, going out, partying, clubbing, um, you know, smoking weed. And then I um, was like, nah, I'm over this. I'm tired of feeling like this. And I knew Jesus was always our savior and I knew that nah, he can take this shame away. He can take this hurt away. This emptiness that I'm feeling, this temporary pleasure that I'm, that I'm fighting in the world that's not fulfilling me. You know, I know Jesus can take it. I know he can take it away from me because I've experienced him and I've heard about him all throughout my life. And I knew he was always there, but it was just me to take that first step out and actually meet him where I was. So, um, yeah, on the dusty Sunday, I was hungover. I remember just going for a walk. I was like, Lord, I'm tired of this. So I went for a walk and then chucked on some worship music. And then, um, yeah, I just said, Lord, I give you my life again, Lord. And then I just did the sinner's prayer and then, boom, instantly felt like that shame just lifted off. You know, all that, all that rejection, all that um, anxiety, all that paranoia just lifted off my life. And it was just freedom, eh? And then, man, I was just joyful as. Um, I felt like, a, you know, I was born again. I was born again Christian. Um, and I remember a buzzy moment where um, the next day I had work at work and income, and there was this father called Truth. He came in, and then he had a Bible in his hand. And before he came in, he stopped. He looked at me, and he said, Bro, do you know who Jesus is? Are you born again, brother? And bro, instant, instant tingles. Because I was like, man, I just gave my life to the Lord last night. And then I, I, I thought that that was kind of like the Lord's way of kind of talking to me to say that, you know, he's here. And it was just like a supernatural moment that I was like, oh, man, like the Lord actually is, you know, he's actually here. Like I gave my life to the Lord. Next minute someone else is talking about Jesus. Like that's definitely the Lord. Um, but yeah, like praise God, I was free from shame. Free from shame, and then, um, and then, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think about what happened after that. <laughs> yeah, so the shame happened. There was all free, but I was actually, I was actually a new Christian in that sense. Like I had never really walked along and journeyed along with Jesus, like had a proper relationship with Him. So I was still doing things, like the heart was willing. You know, the spirit was was willing, but the flesh was weak. So, you know, I still had moments where I still go out and party and, and you know, I'll feel real guilty and shame. Like, oh, far, I'm trying to walk this, this this narrow path, but, you know, I'm still going out clubbing. You know, smoked the weed a couple of times as well over the course of the time. And, you know, I was still lusting after women and stuff like that. And I was like, man, like, why am I, why am I doing this? And then a whole bunch of shame and guilt will just, you know, carry over me. Um, and a lot of that shame, to be honest, the main shame was actually pornography. So a part of that journey over the years, I was probably exposed to pornography when I was nine years old. Um, and from when I was at university, it probably grew. It probably grew from there. Like pornography, that keeps you locked. That keeps you isolated. That keeps you hidden. 
you know, pornography is like a killer of shame, like that keeps you shameful because it's a hidden sin. No one knows about it. Um, and that was a lot of the shame. That was probably a lot of the shame um, that I was experiencing was because of pornography. Um, you know, there's a statistic in the church actually um, about men in the church. There's actually about probably 70% that actually struggle with porn, 60 to 70%, which is women high as. Um, and then within women as well, there's probably, I think it's like 50 to 60% that struggle with porn like in, in the church. I think that might be from the States or something, but I would say they'll be pretty similar to New Zealand, um, the statistics. So, um, yeah, it just keeps you shamed. So, you know, there was a lot of my, um, lot of my struggles was, you know, shame with pornography. Um, and, yeah, it just kept me isolated, eh? Like, it kept me hidden. It kept me, like, real low-key and just a lot of guilt over my life, um, so yeah, but praise God, I'm free from that. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, that's a real, real big tool of the enemy is is pornography. Like it'll, it'll, it'll keep shame over your life, and I struggled with that a lot. Like when I was trying to walk into the straight path of with the Lord. You know, this is even till recent times. I'll be straight up. I was struggling with pornography last year. Um, you know, like right up until that time, I was still struggling with drinking as well last year. I was going out to nightclubs still. I would have moments of being on fire for the Lord and then, you know, I'll give into my flesh. And a lot of the reason why was because I'll slip up, I'll act out in pornography, that shame will come over my life. And then I'll think, have that mentality of, oh, I might as well just sit and go out. I might as well just go out to the club. That was my mentality. That's what shame did to me. You know, it caused me to sin more and, and think, you know, oh, I'm not worthy enough. Lies coming through. But it's just the enemy. It's just the enemy, eh? <clears throat> so I'm going to move on now. Um, so I'm going to bring up some points um, of when we don't deal with shame. So when we have shame in our lives, that's undoubt. It's undoubt with. Um, you know, this is what it looks like. So point number one. The enemy will use lies to ruin us. Um, in John 8, 4, 4, it says, uh, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So the enemy, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he'll use that through lying. So when shame comes, it gets you into a low place of kind of feeling shameful, and then he'll just come in with lies. He'll attack you. You're unworthy. You're not a son of God. You're insecure. You're not worth that. You shouldn't be speaking about God because you watched porn last night. You went out. You, you're a sinner. You know, that's the lies that the enemy will come and plant into your mind. Um, you know, when, when shame comes in, that's when the lies flood in. So you've got to be on guard. You've got to be real of, of the, you've got to know and decipher between what's the enemy saying and what does my father say? So we read in Genesis 3 of his character, you know, we see his character, how he deceived Adam and Eve. You know, when he came as the snake, you know, the enemy deceived, deceived God's plan and twisted it. You know, he caused lies. He said a deceitful lie, and then look what happened. You know, sin entered the world, and then shame happened. So the enemy will pounce on shame, and he will try to keep you stuck in a place, feeling like you're not worthy, that because, sin, uh, that because of your sin, God sees you as a sinner. Um, that you aren't called, that you are unworthy. These are all lies to take you off the path and God's original plan for you. You know, he wants to take you far from the truth and he uses that through lies the enemy does. 
So when you believe the lies, you start to become delusional. So when you actually start to believe the lies, you start to become delusional. I have an example of that. Um, you know, when I used to, you know, muck up on pornography or I would go out to the club or something like that, the next day I'll be at church and then I'll just feel like a lot of shame and guilt and then it'll be reflected in the way I interact with people. And to be honest, I used to not like seeing prophetic people in the, in the church because I'll think, oh, far, they can probably discern, like, you know, this fella's probably got a lot of shame or something like that. So it actually caused me to hide, you know, especially in front of all the prophetic people. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to be straight up. Like, that's the way I felt because I felt shame and guilty. Um, and it was reflected in the way I acted with people. And they probably thought, far, this guy, you know, like, why is he acting weird? But I was just carrying a lot of shame and guilt. Like, that's the way I truly felt. Like, yeah. Like, I'll walk into church like, oh, no, that person probably knows that I've been watching porn, so I'll just, you know, hide. You know, I'll act or shame, or that person probably see me out in the club, or I'll sketch out, and, oh, he probably see me at the Mount Social or Havana, or, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, it causes you to be delusional, you know, that's the lies. When you start to believe the lies, you start to think delusional and act delusional. Um, point number two, it causes us to hide. Um, just like Adam and Eve, they, they started to hide from God um, in the garden. So they hid because they were afraid, they were ashamed of their nakedness. Often when we experience shame from failures or sin, uh, we, can't hide, uh, we can hide in the wrong places. So I gave that example. I was hiding in the wrong places um, when, when I had shame. You know, I was running to addiction. You know, I was running to pornography. I was running to drinking. I was running to women. You know, that's just the reality of what I was doing. It causes us to hide. And like I said before, we have that mentality of I have sinned, so we'll do other things. Um, and this leaves you in a place with greater shame. Um, so, yeah. You know, and then in that place as well, you become too afraid to speak out because there's shame. Um, so you actually don't, you want to hide from your, your peers as well. You want to hide from believers, your brothers and sisters in the faith. You know, it causes you to hide because um, I think it's a rooted in a pride thing because you don't want to ruin your reputation. So you don't want to share and be vulnerable with someone because, oh, no, they might think, oh, that I'm not uh, a good Christian after all, you know, that's the type of thinking that happens, um, you know, and it's, it's rooted in pride when, that, when you feel like that and you hide, um, you know, it causes you to be shameful. <clears throat> so sometimes believers want to be seen as perfect Christians because they're shamed and afraid of judgment. So, you know, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. I'm just going to keep the secret sin hidden. I'm going to isolate myself and then just get attacked by the lies of the enemy. You know, that's what happens. All right. Uh, moving on to point three. Um, so it limits God's potential over your life. So it keeps you stuck in a box where shame will cause you to become limited in how God can use you. Um, instead of living in the potential that God created you to be in, to live in, um, you know, we tend to be limited. And that's also caused by the lies of the enemy and causing us to hide. It limits God's potential over our lives. Yeah, I had a story about last year. I actually was supposed to preach. Um, I don't know if you've remembered, if, for those that are in Tauranga, but I was supposed to preach in the... There was like five speakers that, that got up to preach. And actually, I bailed out because I felt so shamed. I actually um, slipped up on, I might have been pornography or something like that. or I might have, And then I caused me to go out to the club again. Um, and then, yeah, the next week I was supposed to be preaching. But, you know, I just decided to bail out. I bailed out. I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. I felt too shame. You know, and that's what the enemy will do. He'll limit you. It limits and blocks the potential of God, you know, of God that God has over your life. <clears throat> But how many know there's hope? Amen. Can I get a? <laughs> when we put our faith and we put our trust in God, you know, there's hope. He's always the restorer. And, you know, that, that's what brings me here today, you know. You know, he's the restorer. You know, Jesus is our restorer. You know, we read in Genesis 3, 
Verse 20 to 21. So verse 20 reads, Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve, because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So we see there, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So he still provided for them, even though they sinned against him, even though they went away from him, he actually provided them. He loved them so much that he still provided them and cared for their shame because they're ashamed because they're naked and they got fig trees or whatever to cover themselves. But God, you know, our loving God, our loving Father actually created animal skins for them, like amongst their shame, so that they would be shameful no more. And that's our God. That's the reality of our God. You know, he loves us. He doesn't want us to experience shame. He doesn't want that for our lives. He's got far greater for our lives. He doesn't want us to be stuck and limited and isolated and hiding away. You know, he wants us to experience the full authority of, of what he's called us to be, you know, to be in perfect relationship with him through his son, Jesus. <clears throat> so that brings me to my next point and how to defeat shame. So how do we defeat shame? Of course, the Lord can, in a moment, he can break shame off our lives, but shame is gonna come and this is how we're gonna deal with it. This is just some practical tips of how to deal with it. Um, so that leads on to my next point, which is number one, how to defeat shame is we need to know who our God is. Can I get an amen? We need to know who our God is. We need to know who our God is. John 3, 16 reads, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His own, one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So God gave His only Son to die on the cross for our sins. Can you imagine all the fathers and mothers that have a son, or maybe you have a loved one close to your life, that's so close to you, and imagine saying to them, oh, I give you away because I want to, you can, you can die for the sins of that person that doesn't like me. Like, that just shows the God's character, and it's hard to get your head around it, but that's the reality of who our God is. He loves us. He has unconditional love, unconditional love for our lives. You know, it doesn't matter about our sin. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. For those who know Jesus, He sees us through the blood of Jesus. You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So amongst your shame and amongst your sin, Christ died for us and he still loved us then. You know, he, he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate um, of love. You know, he became shame. He was humiliated in front of thousands probably. Well, I don't actually know about that actually. Don't quote me on that. Probably thousands. But, you know, he was humiliated in front of heaps of people. He was spat, a, he was spat on. He was exposed. He was probably naked on the cross. He was exposed. You know, he was whipped and punished on the cross so that me and you can have a relationship with the Father. You know, that we don't have to live in sin and shame anymore, that we can live in love, that we can enjoy his peace in our lives. You know, we need to know who our God is. You know, he is a God that is just and righteous. And yes, he will punish those who live in sin. Sin does lead to death, but he's also a God that restores. He's also a God that loves you. Well, Isaiah 54 verse four, it reads, Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shames of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. When we understand who we are as a child of God, then we can repent and come to our Father knowing that we are forgiven and loved despite our struggles, shame, and sin. So God already knows what we're going to do, like he's out of time. So he already knows when you're going to sin anyway. You know, he already knows. He knows our past sin. He forgives our current sin and our future sin. 
as well. So that brings me on to my next point. So we need to know God, but also we need to know our identity in Christ. We need to know who we are as sons and daughters. Man, it will change your life like knowing that you're a son of daughter. Like straight up, it changed my life. Just my whole perspective changed. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it reads, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So yeah, we're, we're called to be his royal priests, a holy nation. Our, we're God's own possession. You know, we're sons and daughters. We're called for greatness. Galatians 3.26, it reads, For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So we're no longer seen as sinners anymore. We're seen through the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ. And I love this thing. This is actually my thing, a thing that my nanny gave me. Um, and I just kind of reconnected with, with it a, like a couple of months ago. But I remember she giving that to me in like 2019. But it's awesome. It reads who I am in Christ. So it's just affirmations of who we are. So this is some of the things of who we are. This is our position as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. So it reads, I am accepted. So we're God's child. We're Christ's friend. We have been justified. We are united with the Lord and are one with him in spirit. We have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as God's child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am confident that the good work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ and God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a self-control. I, I can find grace and mercy to help in time of need. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am significant. I am the soul and the light of the earth. I am the branch of the true vine. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am personal. I am a oh, I am a personal spirit empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship, created for good works. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this is powerful. That's who we are in Christ. That's our position. We're no longer seen as unworthy or insecure. This is what makes us. That's, that's who we are as sons and daughters. That's our position. That's our authority. <clears throat> so when we begin to know our identity, that's when we can start to walk with power and authority. That's when, we can, when the lies come, when the Lord say, when the, not the Lord, when the enemy says to come and hide and, and, and lies to you, that's when we rise up and that's when we speak out and say, Satan, that is a lie. Get behind me in Jesus' name. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. No longer I'm going to give in to them lies. No longer am I going to be shamed or live in this little box. But actually, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm wonderfully and fearfully made. You know? You know, we start to walk with power in our lives. We start to speak it out. Now, that's the lie of the enemy. We start to, to, to determine, oh, no, that's a lie of the enemy, actually. I'm going to speak out who I truly am. I'm God's child, you know? We need to do that. That's, we, that doesn't come... You know, when we don't know who we are, you know, that only comes when we know who we are, when we know we're, um, you know, sons and daughters of God, and when we know that we're, um, He is our God and who He is. 
So how do we know who we are in Christ? Like, how do we know who we are in Christ, or how do we know who He is? Um, This brings me to my third point. Um, We need to be in the presence of the Father. So we need to be in the presence of the Father. If I could have the keys come up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, so you've got to be in the presence of the Father. I love the story of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son, he was, um, you know, he decided to, he wanted his father's inheritance and he went out to wild living and, you know, he was doing all sorts of things. He was living out in the wild, um, doing all sorts of things, wasting his life away. Um, and he was even rolling around and, or eating pig food or something like that. And he was probably sloppy ears. But, you know, he didn't know who he was and he wanted to come home, but he felt like oh, I wasn't worthy enough. There, was, there would have been a lot of shame over his life. Like I'm not worthy enough. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'll be my father's slave when I come home. But it was actually in the presence of the father when he returned home, when his father was waiting there to give him a kiss with arms wide open. You know, it's like our father, wide, arms wide open. You know, he accepted him with a kiss. You know, and the son, the prodigal son, he didn't know that. He didn't know that um, who he was or who his identity was until he was in the presence of the father. It was in the arms of the father where he knew who he was, that he knew he was loved, that he is no longer lost, but now he is found. You know, it was in the presence of the Father. And some practical tips. How do we be in the presence of our Father? Just simple, you know, we need to be in His Word. We need to be in His Word. How are we going to know who, he, who our Father is if we're not in His Word? You know, and we're feeding our minds with other things, like social media. And I'm guilty, like, being on social media as well. You know, I need to be in my Word more too. You know, we all do. You know, we all need to be in the Word more. But you know, once we're in the Word more, that's when we start to get a picture of God's character, of who He is, of who we are. You know, spending time in the secret place, one-on-one with you and Jesus. It doesn't have to be in, the, in your room. It could be anywhere. It could be in your car on the way to work. It could be on the beach as you're walking along. You know, whatever that secret place is for you, you know, the Lord's calling you there. Be in the presence of the Father. That's when you'll start to learn who you are. Fellowship with other believers as well. Don't be isolated. Don't be hidden. We want to do things community, you know, together in unity. Don't isolate yourself. Also, the church gathering, connect with other believers. You know, I like um, I like what Adam said. You know, Christianity isn't a team sport. We need people around us. I mean, no, it's not an individual sport. It's a team sport. That's it. It's a team sport. We need people around us. And that brings me to my final point: find a solid brother and sister in Christ. James 5.16, it reads, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Honestly, like, a huge help for me over my journey in dealing with my shame is having a brother. You know, find yourself a brother like Paul Edwards. Find yourself a Paul Edwards. Honestly, it changed my life being able to be vulnerable with someone. You know, it shifts, it shifts something. It shifts something in the spiritual realm. It brings out something, you know, out of the darkness and into the light. You know, you've got to find someone that's going to be solid for you, someone that's going to go in warfare with you, that's going to speak over your life when you're feeling down and shameful, and they're going to pick you up like a brother and say, nah, bro, you are a son of God. You are a mighty man of God. You aren't who, you aren't who the enemy says. You know, you need to find a solid brother like that that's going to pick you up, you know, that you can trust, of course. Find yourself a solid brother and sister because honestly in them dark times when you're feeling shame and you feel like nothing, you know, 
You can't, you're just stuck. You know, talking to a brother that you trust, man, that's going to change your life. They're going to speak life with you. They're going to pray over you straight away. And that's the type of person that you need, someone that's going to pray straight away. Hey, bro, I see you're not yourself. I see you've got shame over your life. So I'm going to break that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We need people like that. So yeah, that was my last point. If you can all stand. I just want to ask everyone just to close their eyes. And just as we come to an end, I just want you to reflect over all the things that were said tonight. You know, you may be struggling with shame or you might have dealt with it for years. But like I said, there's hope. There's hope when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. That you no longer have to stay in this place. You no longer have to hide and isolate. You no longer have to be bound to the lies of the enemy. But actually you can walk in freedom, walk in the original plan that God has for our lives. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, Lord, over each person. Holy Spirit, would you just reveal any shame or guilt that is in anyone's heart in this building, Lord. Start to bring it out, Lord. Start to bring it out out of their hearts, Lord. Things that have been hidden, Lord God. Things that have been isolated, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're speaking right now. Lord, thank you that you're speaking, Lord God, because you love your children. You love every person in this building, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus.